Let's return to the study of Paul's letter to the Colossian church, chapter number one, but I want to go all the way back to verse number 15 because it's all about Jesus. And we know that the first section in the book of Ephesians and this first section in the book of Colossians recenters believers on this understanding. It's all about Jesus. He is God in the flesh, and he is therefore in charge of the church that he redeemed with his death and his resurrection. So let's make sure we never forget that. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. So he is God in flesh form. The firstborn of all creation. Not that he was the first creation, but rather he is the ranking member of this world, of this creation, because he entered into his own creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all were created through him and for him. So he made everything. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he predates everything, he is at the top of everything, and he is the sustainer of everything. And as I explained to you last time, the word for destroy is the word for letting go. And so once he quits holding everything together, it'll all just fly apart in a great big burst of energy and heat and light and noise. And then instantly he will bring the new heaven and new earth into existence. Pretty much the same way he will transform all living believers into their eternal bodies. Uh, Verse number... 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. So Jesus is in charge of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So he's the first one to be permanently resurrected. And we know that one of these days, we will be like him in that respect. And that in everything, he might be preeminent. So he is the first in all these different categories. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's where we ended last session. This idea that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are one God. They are three distinct personages in that one God. Do not understand at all how that works. It's got things to do with quantum mechanics, I have no doubt. But Jesus, in his physical form, was full of the fullness of God. And that that made him unique, where he is 100% human and 100% God all at the exact same time. And so he can die for sin, and then he can resurrect for justification. 
and that that can be applied to anyone and everyone from the time of Adam and Eve forward to the time of the crucifixion and resurrection and past there right up to the time before the last person is saved by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 20, that's the focal point. Through him to reconcile to himself all things. So God is pleased to have the fullness of God dwelling in Jesus, and God is pleased to reconcile to himself everything, whether it's on earth or already in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. So Jesus reconciles every human being that has ever put their faith in God, reconciles them back to himself, and he does it through the gospel, his death and his resurrection. He makes peace. Uh, Remember, Paul was using that idea of making peace in the Ephesian letter um, to include making peace between uh, Gentiles and Jews that used to be separated, uh, and now they're one in Christ. And so peace is the restoration of disrupted relationships. And so Jesus fixed that by dying and rising again. Now, verse 21, as I've told you before, Paul is quite aware that there is a large number of Gentile believers within the church now. And so even though they are all one in Christ, there is still this history distinction where the Jewish people, because of their history, have been connected already with God of creation for a long time. While Gentiles, because of history, have been out there on their own without any tight connection to the God of the Bible. And so Paul kind of reaches out and talks to those Gentiles. Remember, he is the apostle to the Gentiles. So he really wants to connect with them and help them find their place. And since most of us that are probably um, engaged in this study right now are Gentiles ourselves. this should be of particular interest to us. Verse 21, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So, so you used to have no connection to God, no interest in God. You just did what you felt like doing, even though what it was was wrong. So you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. So Jesus has fixed that hostility. He's fixed that alienation. He's fixed that problem that separated us from God. And that was sin. And so he's reconciled, brought back, into right relationship by his death, by his literal death on the cross and his spiritual 
atonement. And he did this for this purpose. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So God's desire, God's will, was that no one should have to perish, but that all, including Gentiles, could come to salvation through Jesus Christ. And so because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and because we've embraced that by faith, we have now been reconciled, and God receives us into his presence as holy and blameless and above reproach. Now, there is a caveat, though, that needs to be taken in consideration. And this caveat, I think, speaks to the whole issue that we sometimes refer to as once saved, always saved. And that is, we have to stick with the plan. And that plan is Jesus Christ. You can't just come to him and claim salvation and then go back and do whatever you feel like. That is not appropriate. And so Paul says, verse 23, if indeed you continue in that faith, stable and steadfast. So you have to come and stay. Uh, This goes back to our Ephesians 1, uh, chapter number 1 passage that deals with this idea of um, predestination. Remember I told you that the word predestination means to set boundaries ahead of time. And when we were reading through chapter number one, we know that those boundaries were set by Jesus Christ. That is, in Christ is inside the boundaries. And so Paul is kind of back to that idea here that the only way you stay saved is to stay in Christ. If you walk away from Jesus, that's going to put you back outside the boundaries And you don't want that. You don't want to be caught outside Christ uh, and outside salvation. So he says, if indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. Uh, Now, you might wonder, well, what are they shifting? Why would they shift away from the gospel? Remember, I told you some of the people that are in these churches have been involved in the first heresy of the church, which was Judaizing, teaching this idea that Gentiles have to become Jewish in order to be saved by Jesus. And so they taught this idea that uh, Gentiles have to be circumcised, they have to keep kosher, they have to keep the Sabbath day and the high holy days, they have to keep the traditions of the fathers as kept by the Pharisees in order to be saved. And so Paul is probably concerned that some of the people are still pushing that garbage, pushing that nonsense. And so he says, the only way you are going to be saved and the only way you're going to stay saved is to embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and stick with him, not shifting to some other way of being saved. So if indeed you continue in the faith, 
stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation, uh, all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So the gospel is being preached all over the known world of this time period. The Colossians were smack dab in the middle of the swath of the Roman world that had heard the gospel at this point. And it's all about Jesus and sticking with Jesus. Verse 24. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is, the church. Now, don't misunderstand what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying Jesus didn't suffer enough. He is saying Jesus is still suffering because his body is being persecuted. His body is the church. And so Paul says, I'm quite content, quite happy that I am having to put up with a lot of bad stuff, like being in detention, Roman detention, for four years plus, you know, two out in in Judea and two in the capital city of Rome. And he was doing all of that because he believed in the atoning death and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he believed in salvation, not just simply for Jews, but for Gentiles that repent and embrace Jesus He believed that what he was suffering was just continuation of what Jesus came to do, and that is lay his life down for those that needed to be saved. And so all of us need to have that sort of love. You know, no greater love has anyone than this to lay down his life for a friend. And so Paul is willing to lay down his life for the church. And that's what Jesus did, and that's what we should be willing to do as well. Verse 25, of which, meaning the church, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. So he's now talking about his position as an apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, uh, Minister, he's a servant. Uh, Stewardship, he's got an assignment. And so he's doing this for Gentiles to help them get saved. And so he's happy to be doing that. Uh, And uh, he says, to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. A mystery, because mysterion is actually a Greek word. A mystery is not like an unsolved crime. Uh, It is top secret information that is only known and only revealed for knowledge to those who have an inside connection. Once you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you have that inside connection. 
And so Paul says this top-secret information from the past has now been released into the open for the saints to revel in. And what is that? Verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this ministry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the mystery is that by embracing the death of Jesus Christ, you can be filled up with Jesus Christ through the presence of his Holy Spirit, and that this is available not just simply to Jewish people, not just simply to those of the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is available to all the seed of Adam and Eve, all the Gentiles, so that they can all be filled up with Jesus Christ and have this hope of eternal salvation, being resurrected from the dead, being transformed, if they're alive, into their eternal bodies, just like the body of Jesus Christ. So that that is the top secret information that's now out in the clear. It's out in the open. Verse 28, him we proclaim, Jesus. Again, it's all about Jesus. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, or making this clear declaration to everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So the goal of the Apostle Paul is to get this information out to everyone with the hope and intention that they'll all accept it that they'll all embrace it, and that they can then grow up in Jesus Christ. He says, verse 29, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So everything the apostle does, he does to bring people to Jesus Christ. And certainly that's what ought to be driving us as well, and energizing us to see people get to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Now, the sad thing is, and I'm only going to just mention it in passing, is that free will is going to result in many people not receiving that truth for themselves. It doesn't change that as a truth. It just means they pass on it. And because they pass on it, they will be accountable for what they've chosen. And that is not something that makes God happy. And it shouldn't make us happy either. Uh, Chapter 2 now. For I want you to know how great a struggle that I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Uh, As I told you at beginning of our study in the book of Colossians, uh, Laodicea is only about 12 miles away, something like that. It's um, a close uh, community region. It's actually a tri-city region because there's another town called Hierapolis that is not very far from Laodicea and therefore not very far from Colossae. And so the people of this region, they 
travel back and forth and do business and have relations and make marriages and things of that nature. So it is a region. It's much smaller than the Michiana region, uh, but it is very much uh, a region of that sort of connection. And so Paul says, I want you guys to understand this struggle that I have in me for all of you guys in that same region there. And here's, here's what I want for you guys that, for the most part, have not met me face to face. As I've mentioned as well before, Paul seems to have set up a, a training school or a Bible college or an evangelistic school at Ephesus, at Ephesus during the time of his third missionary journey. And from there, he sent out uh, preachers and teachers and trainers uh, throughout the region of Asia and just beyond. And so Laodicea and Hierapolis and Colossae were uh, recipients of the gospel through the work of a man named Epaphras. Uh, And so Paul was the one that trained him and sent him there. And so Paul says, I want you to know, I struggle all the time for all you guys right there in that region. And this is what he's thinking about. Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. So he wants them to feel loved, and he wants them to feel loving. He wants them to feel connected. Uh, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Uh, We've already talked about the mystery. The mystery was the top-secret information from the past that God had intended to redeem everyone, regardless of their ethnicity. He focused through the Jews to get the Messiah into the world, But his intention was always to explode the gospel into all places uh, so that people could embrace Jesus as their Messiah. And so verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. So Jesus is the repository of everything God had intended for humanity. Uh, He was not satisfied with sin entering the world and alienating him from his creation. Uh, He already had a plan before the foundation of the world, actually, for its redemption. And so all of that is packed into Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Uh, So he is still a little bit concerned that there are false teachers out there. There are false teachers even in the church itself. Judaizers specifically are going to be part of the problem here. And he, he doesn't want people to get sidetracked from the core, which is the gospel. 
that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He rose again on the third day according to those same inspired Jewish scriptures and that he was ascended on high and that he sent his Holy Spirit and he started the church through that Holy Spirit and through the work of the apostles and he did all of this in order to redeem everyone that would put their faith in Christ, uh, including Gentiles. And so that's all been the plan. And Paul says, even if I'm not right there in your presence right now, I still want you to know that's the truth. And that's what I am glad to hear you're embracing. Verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So you received him as your Savior and your Lord. Stick with him. You know, don't get sidetracked. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So be thankful for your salvation and stick with the plan. Stick with Jesus. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. Now, philosophy is kind of a a misnomer, I suppose, in a way, because it means love of wisdom. But the wisdom that they're in love with sometimes is not good wisdom. It's sometimes the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of individual men and women. The ind- it might be the wisdom of demonic forces that have been released into the world of human man of humanity as a means of screwing us up. And so he says, I need you to pay attention here. Don't let anyone take you out of the relationship by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Now, we've, we've only got about a minute left, so I can't develop it today. But what we're about to see is Paul's concern about the Judaizers again. He is really concerned that this false teaching that reared its ugly head early on in the history of the church, that Gentiles have to become Jewish in order to be saved, he is concerned that that might compromise some of the people there at Colossae and at Laodicea and at Hierapolis and in Asia and wherever else it might be presenting itself. And so he really needs everyone to stay focused on the gospel and to stay centered in Jesus Christ. And that solution to heresy remains the same for us today. Stick with Jesus.